it's easy to say what you would and wouldn't do for a million dollars. It's a whole different thing when I sit a briefcase with a million dollars right here. You, and you ain't never been, you ain't never even, you've never been close to that kind of money. You don't know what it weigh. You don't know what it smell like. You don't know what it really looks like up in fine detail. Because that, that elicits emotions in you that, you that you've never felt before. You know? It's like, the, it's like everybody knows someone that's never been in a fight that think they can fight. You know? But it's a whole other thing when somebody punch you in the face and your adrenaline start going and you feeling pain and you, you can't see out of one eye or your nose is broken or your mouth is bleeding or that shit just hurt or you just felt that power on you. Like you felt, you felt the difference in power and you know damn well you don't have a chance. How you gonna act then? And we are back. BS with Brian Simpson, episode 93. Um, I think this is this is what the Christmas special or the New Year's special, some something like yeah, that. Yeah, this is between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, um, you know, Merry Christmas or um, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. Is this is Hanukkah? Hanukkah's not always the same time Hanukkah's, as Christmas, right? No, it's not. I think it's over now. Actually, don't the Jews use the lunar calendar? Yeah, Hanukkah this year was from December 7th to December 15th, so it's already passed. Oh, okay. But happy belated Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners. I don't think they get presents, right? Um, They do. They do. It's not the same kind of situation as, like, Christmas, where it's, like, you know, leads up to one big night or whatever, but... And it's it's also not a main... Do presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Brian? Man, I don't do Christmas... You know, I mean, <laughs> let me rephrase that. It depends on wh- on where I am and like who, who I'm who I'm around. You know, yeah. Like I just go with the flow. Like if if it's left up to me, you know, like there's no Christmas in my house. I mean, somebody bought a tree. There's a tree in there somewhere, right? You know, but but I don't participate. You know, it's like. And maybe there's maybe there's something wrong with me, and maybe that's just because, you know, some people don't feel the same when you walk up and just go, you know, here, here's your gift, you know. But it's like, what's the point in wrapping it up? And you know, none of that makes any sense to me. But well, especially some nowadays. people need. Yeah, you know, some people need it. And, and listen, I don't think you have to buy adults gifts. You know, agree. I don't think you owe. I don't think you owe an adult a gift. Um, unless it's your spouse, you know, everybody else is like, Hey man, I'd be giving you stuff throughout the year. You know, like, like what, why do you need, you know, cause some, some people are so stuck on holiday shit where they like, like some people would rather have 50 bucks in a card in an envelope on Christmas day than for you to get him a hundred bucks on Christmas Eve. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't understand those people. Or, or there's some people that, uh, or the, the poor, unfortunate bastards who have who have birthdays on Christmas or right around Christmas. You know, That's and me. they get the they get the they get the notorious double gift. You know, yeah, one combo. gift for both. Mm-hmm. That's a and and the thing is, the the people that do that, the people that buy you. 
one gift that's supposed to cover two holidays, you know, you know, you know what you are. You know what you are. And 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 they you know, they know that you're not going to be happy about receiving one gift. But they also know that you can't you're not allowed to act ungrateful. So they kind of put right. you in a position where you kind of got to swallow your negative feelings. But that's why I stopped, I stopped giving a fuck about that shit a long time ago. Because like I told you, it's just the way I grew up. I, I've, um, I've had good Christmases and good birthdays and stuff like that. But I, but I remember like just from the foster kid thing, you know, when somebody has like six, seven kids in their house, you know, a lot of times, man, you got to throw birthdays together. So it, it ain't even your day. You know, it's like we're going we gonna to have one party for three of y'all. It's not even your day type shit. It's not that special, you know. And I was like, hey, man. Like, yo, just pay for my fucking cleats, you know. Pay for my membership to something. I don't need nothing, you know. Don't, oh, don't get me nothing. Because, listen, the biggest gift you can give me is releasing me from the obligation of buying you a gift. 100% agree. And, and I, I, in turn... Will do the same. Release me from the my gift to you is that you don't have to buy me any gifts this year. Right, it's different when it no. comes to like kids and stuff like that. Obviously, you know it's great when you have like kids in your family, either children like your own children or nieces, nephews, and stuff like that. That's fun, but that's because kids can't buy their own shit. Yeah, because I, I can't remember the last time I got a gift that I absolutely loved actually no that's not true let me let me let me rephrase that i can't remember the last time i got an obligatory gift that i actually absolutely loved almost all my best gifts came out of the blue unexpected right because there's a difference between me going this day's coming what can i get this person there's a difference between that and then me going me seeing a thing and thinking of you. Those are the best gifts. Like I see a thing and I go, oh, such and such would love this. Instead of instead of doing it backwards, doing it the other way around, and me me thinking of you and trying to think of a gift, then me seeing something that makes me think of you immediately. There was an economics paper by this economist named Joel Waldfogel called The Deadweight Loss of Christmas. And might be too boring to go through like all the nitty gritty of it, but he basically like pointed out and uh, proved to the extent that you can prove anything with an economics paper that uh, gift giving is just bad economics because like, for for adults because you're almost always better off just giving somebody the money that you would have spent on the gift or doing nothing at all and let them buy their own gift with their own money. That because what ends up happening is is when you're required to buy all these gifts for people, you end up just getting people crap they don't want, and you create an economic incentive to create fucking beard oil and whiskey scented aftershave and stuff for for men. It's like it's stupid. Right. They're nothing. Well, that's gifts. the other thing too. Men usually get the worst gifts. Facts. You know, fathers don't get good gifts. Your kids are going to give you a shitty gift. That they bought with your money. <laughs> so that's the other thing. It's probably I could write my own economics paper. It's probably a worst 
it's probably a worse economics for you to have your kids buy you gifts with your money. They buying you stuff you don't want with your money. Yep. Yeah, and you gotta use it so they don't feel bad. So that's the other thing. You putting two obligations on me because now I gotta buy you a gift. I gotta buy you a nice gift. You buy me a gift with my money that I don't want and that I'm forced to wear to spare your feelings and also to spare your feelings. I have to buy you a gift. And I'll be honest. I work so hard for that money for you to waste. I don't know that much about you. So now I got to walk in the store and go, what are the kids like? And then I get you a Sega Genesis and, you know, you know, to save money because, you know, you spent half of my money on my gifts that I don't like. And then I bring the Sega Genesis home and you're like, uh, Dad, we on PlayStation 5. I go, oh, this doesn't even connect to the Internet, Dad. Like, oh, shit. But, uh, you know, who knows? I'm like, but this N64 is a collector's ed- edition. Conquer's bad fur day. Yeah, I've had. It. I would I've say had, Sega I've... Genesis is probably the best gift I ever got as a kid. That's the most excited Ooh. I've ever been. I think that's the most excited I've ever been for a present. As a kid, you know, I'm be honest. The best gift and the worst gift I ever got as a kid happened on the same Christmas. I got. I mean, we all got Game Boy. We all got Game Boys. I'm talking about the old school joint. And, you know, I think the motherfucker needed eight batteries. Eight, eight double eight batteries. Yeah, yeah. But we all got that joint and got Bomberman. Woo, we played the fuck out that shit. Were you, that was back. Maybe it was a, maybe it was an advance. Whatever one where you could connect them together with a, with a wire. So the link? it might have been the original. I think you, yeah, I think you but, could... Uh... You could do that with the original one, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Game link cable. Yeah. Let's yeah, see. you and I, I think you had you had you had two or three hours of gameplay from eight from eight from eight double A batteries. Something crazy. Yeah. yeah, you could link together the OG uh Game Boys with a link Okay, cable. yeah. So it was them. We we originally we got them we got those original drums. We all got Bomberman and one other game. But Bomberman was the shit. Um, but then I also got, cause I remember I, I asked for a computer and my brother and sister asked for TVs. I was like, I don't want no TV. I want a computer. Cause I, cause I had the foresight. I saw the future <laughs> and my father, either as a joke or whatever, cause he joked like this. But both of them got 19 inch TVs and I got. A, uh, it wasn't a speaking spell, but it was something to that nature. It was like a fake computer. It was like a child's computer. It wasn't a computer. A VTech. You know? Some shit like that. Yeah, and I thought, so I'm I'm sitting there unwrapping the thing, and I'm unwrapping a laptop, because I'm like, oh, shit, I, I think you'll give me a laptop. And it was a fucking, God, I was so mad. I was so, f- and I was so bad. I didn't even, I didn't even hide it. I was furious. <laughs> I was furious. How old were you? Because at this time, I was 
probably twelve. Because because okay. you gotta also you gotta also understand the context. So a lot of people know I was a foster kid, but I was actually a foster kid twice. So my my biological father took me out of a foster home. So I, I was I was in a foster home from like six to like eleven, and then I lived with my father from like eleven to like thirteen. My father came and took me out of foster care, and I moved in with him, my stepmom, and and their two kids. So, but in that previous foster home, the Christmases was lit. The Christmases was like that. And then, so I go to my father, and you know, and this first Christmas was terrible. You know, so it was one of those things where I'm sitting there like, so because 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 you got me a child's computer, so it's like not only, you know, not only did I not. So, so I basically didn't get a gift. I don't think I, I never even turned that motherfucker on after that day. I, I don't even know what happened to it. <laughs> so it's like not only you know not only did I did I not get a gift, but I you know it's like it's like you basically got me you basically got me a gag gift for Christmas. You know, that's bullshit. So f- I think I think from that point forward. I was just like I'm good on like I'm good on expectations, you know. Like I'm like that's what the fuck I get. I need to be out here mowing grass and making my own motherfucking money so I can just buy my own self shit. You know, builds character. They say. All right, let's get some articles in here. Eat better in 2024 with Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service that sends chef-prepared, dietitian-approved meals right to your door. Just heat them up in the microwave or skillet, and in two minutes, you're all set. No waiting in line at the grocery store, no prepping, no cleaning up, just meals right when you want them. Of course, uh, my favorite is the truffle butter filet mignon, but that's because I'm bougie. They even have vegan, vegetarian, protein plus, and calorie smart meal options that never skimp on flavor. Factor isn't just for dinner, with over 55 add-on items each week ranging from breakfast to desserts. Head to factormills.com slash BS50 and use code BS50 to get 50% off. That's code BS50 at factormills.com slash BS50 to get 50% off. Wow. This seems like a deep, this seems like a deep one here. Um, try Jesus. What's that mean? Hi, Brian. Not brain. Thank you. Although maybe there's an added association because you're smart. My favorite left-wing contributor. Rob, okay. In episode 90 at 5602, go door to door and talk about Jesus and don't try me out here. Try therapy, don't try me. Was that referencing this wonderful song? I assume it was because you seem to know lots of great rap music. Um, is this the, is this a Toby and Wee? Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try Jesus, don't try me. Yeah, that's funny to me. Thanks, Ryan. Right, hit the nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. Even though... um. Um, you know, I don't think Toby and Weeway made that up. Um, sure. You know, it's a lot It's a lot of cool sayings proliferating throughout the black community. I do love that he made it into a song. Um, it's also funny because um, because I'm a what you would call a non-believer. But I like all the cool sayings. I like any saying that's like where the message is like, don't fuck with me. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, to- Toby and Weeway is like one of the most talented people in America. Honestly, I think what everybody loves about about him is, um, 
he, as the kids say, he stand on business. You know, he, he he's uh, he's uncompromising in his damn vision and his damn like like the fact that like he won't go nowhere without his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that include the fucking anywhere, the Super Bowl, the Grammys, whatever. It's like if my kids, if my wife and my kids can't come, I'm not coming. That's his whole thing, and he mean that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so now is and now that's his reputation. So they already know. I bet you now they don't even offer like they included in the offer. By the way, we also have this and this and that to accommodate your children. But he ain't even got to bring it up because they already know what's up. Because yeah. I'm gonna tell you something, bro. I know, I know, I know just as well as anyone that when you get in the when you get in this entertainment business. They will test your boundaries. So I know I know he's been tested. Like back when he was broke and struggling and didn't have the clout and wasn't getting the features from Royster Five Nine and Black Thought and and you know and Chameleon there and all of these people. When he had no clout, or when he was just getting a little taste of it, you know, that's when people try you. And you go, I'm not going to wear all my wife and kids. And they go, Well, what if we throw in this and that? Can you come just you? Like, you you hit that moment where you're like, oh, oh, what if I say yes to my integrity and I can't, I just can't. Like, you got you hit that moment of truth where, where you're like, am I, am I that dude? Am I that dude that's, that's standing on what I'm saying? Because like, it's easy to talk like that. It's easy to stand up and say emphatically, I'm not going nowhere without my babies. It's easy to say that. You know, just just like just like it's easy to say what you would and wouldn't do for a million dollars. It's a whole different thing when I sit a briefcase with a million dollars right here, and you, and you ain't never been, you ain't never even, you've never been close to that kind of money. You don't know what it weigh, you don't know what it smell like, you don't know what it really looks like up in fine detail, because that because that elicits emotions in you that you that you've never felt before. You know. It's like the, it's like everybody knows someone that's never been in a fight that think they can fight, you know. But it's a whole other thing when somebody punch you in the face and your adrenaline start going and you feeling pain and you you can't see out of one eye or your nose is broken or your mouth is bleeding or that shit just hurt or you just felt that power on you like you felt you felt the difference in power and you know damn well you don't have a chance. How are you gonna act then? You know, it's it's real easy to go shit ah fucking. Ah, fucking! It's real easy to imagine you that, but it's a whole other thing when you're in that situation and you feel the heat. So I know, I know that that dude had to turn down some shit that at the time felt like it meant it meant everything, but he still chose integrity. Like, nah, my babies ain't coming. I'm not coming, and my wife ain't coming. I'm not coming. You gotta fly us all out there. You know what I mean? Because I'm t- I'm telling you right now, I know, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying like I haven't heard him say this, or or heard it in an interview or anything like that. But I'm I just know in my spirit because I know how the game go. I know for a fact that somebody tried him. Somebody tried to see if for no other reason than to see if they can. They want to know that you can be bought, and and for what price. So, so you can have all this integrity and all this shit all you want, 
But as soon as you let them cross that boundary, they're going to they gonna try to cross it every single time. You know? Like me, like I have a strict, I'm not doing shit on Mondays policy. The only exception is kill Tony. Like I'll do some shit I want to do on Monday. But I'm not going to do some shit right. you want to yeah, do yeah. on Monday. Either Monday right. or the day after I come off the road. Sometimes, you know, I'm I'm flying in on Monday, so I ain't doing shit on Tuesday. You know what I mean? That's yeah. it's like that's just I, I yeah. You got to protect your peace. Cuz these agents and managers and fucking casting people, they'll run you, they'll kill you. They'll put your ass on they'll have you flying in a, to a different place every day if they could till you have a fucking heart attack. You got to protect your own peace. So it's like I I specifically I set aside a day that's for me where I can relax, where I can chill, where I can do what I enjoy, where I don't got no obligations. Because I need that, you know, and 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 when I skip that day, I it 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 feels it fucks my whole week up. For the rest of the week, I'm tired, I'm weary, you know. Um, I forget what the word was that they said everybody had during the pandemic. Uh, what's the word where you're? Uh, what was the word they used to describe the feeling everybody felt during the during the, when we were all stuck inside? Malaise. No, not malaise, not despair. Um, melancholy. Was that the word. Mm, I don't know what no, wasn't melancholy. Uh, something in that something in that in that family. Um, maybe it was despair. Despair. Yeah. Depression. But, was that was that the word of uh uh was that the word of the of the year for uh for that year maybe it was despair no anguish, anguish. that was the word okay anguish yeah i anguish when i miss my mondays my self care days those are the, and i'm gonna tell you what i like to do i i i do i get i get high out of my mind I wake up, I go to the gym, I stretch, I get high as shit. I play video games. I, you know, I read, I listen to music. I blast music through the whole house. This is my favorite thing to do, to be, to just get un... I, I like music blasting in every corner of the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it set up so I can cast music and I got my speaker groups all set up so it's the whole house. So when yep. I set that motherfucker up, the A9 is going off, the level the level is going off, the Google speaker in my bat in my bathroom is going off, the fucking uh the Google Home thing is going off, my Sony uh my sound bar and all and that whole sound system, all that, the TV, mu- the same song is playing in all that shit. Every fucking inch of the house is filled up with music. <coughs> That's the only way I can get shit done. It, it does something. It's like a fucking, it's like a mental enema. Just blasting. Ah! Yeah, I need that for a you couple hours. You listen to a lot a of different shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly, like, not probably, um, probably 90% hip hop and R&B. Probably no, 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 that's not true. Pro- okay, so probably 70% hip-hop, 
10% R&B, 10% like blues and I guess I guess that's still R and B. Um, so 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 probably seventy percent hip hop, twenty percent R and B, five percent rock and metal and shit like that, and then all the other stuff probably five percent. A little country, a little jazz, a little you know. The only the only shit that gets no spin is like polka music like like I'm accordions I don't understand why that exists I don't see the whole the reason for that or to include it in songs um that shit just don't slap to me I yeah. like I don't know but you know what I could be proven wrong maybe I just haven't heard an, an accordion based song that slapped like that but I just Whatever melodies you create on an accordion, I feel like it would sound better on another instrument, you know. And I know it's it's an accordion world out there, and they more furious than the furries, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but I don't have a problem. Like I could be around furries. I could be around, you, you know. Um. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of niggas that send the My Little Pony. That's a whole convention that they have. It's like I, I don't know if they consider themselves like a subset of the furry community. I think they're bronies. Oh, bronies. Oh, bronies. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, they 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 like took over our bar one time that I worked at. Oh shit! It was cool. Yeah, yeah, they were cool people. You know, decent decent folks. But accordion people, eh. <laughs> it's almost like when you find out, you, it's like being around a magician. You know, it's like. You know, it's cool from a distance, I suppose. I like to keep my distance. Um, yeah. Or like, yeah, cause like magic is cool if I go somewhere specifically for magic. Mm-hmm. You know, but whenever I'm around magicians, it's this. It's this weird. This is why people have a hard time around performance artists. This. This is why, it, 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 and it's because. Comedians being the exception, right? Maybe I was just gonna say. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, I'm I'm only talking about the exception to my thing that I'm about to say. Oh, okay. It's, it's hard okay. to be around comedians too, but for different reasons than this. But but okay. but but magicians are the quintessential example of this, and it's that. The thing that they feel is dope about them is something that they can't demonstrate um, smoothly. So, so if you're just hanging around with a bunch of people and one of those people is a comedian, every now and then they can crack a little joke, and and you know that they're a funny person, and it, and it's, it's, it's it comes off as charm as long as they don't do it too much. Like some people don't know how to turn it off. They always on, you know. Yeah. But a magician can't just slip in a magic trick. But they will they still try. You know? So they you know, it's like you can't we we could be talking about world politics and it's like th- there could be some joke to crack about it. Real quick, just a little bang, 
and back out. Now we serious. But a magician has, has to interrupt everything and be like, okay, pick a car, you know. And it's like that gets <laughs> old real fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and There's a lot more prep. There's a lot more prep with magicians. They have to have that da- that deck stack. They have to have the the rubber band like looped around their 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 the collar of their shirt and all that kind of shit. As opposed to a comedian that can just like pop something out real quick. Yeah, it's kind of like you ever you ever you ever meet somebody that can sing, and and you know they can sing because they always slipping it into conversations. They'll just break out in the song. <laughs> it's that, you know. I don't hang out with those people. Well, yeah, but sometimes you don't know you're around one of those people until it happens. That's true. And you know, and yeah. You, and you, but and you and you wouldn't say it, but you you kind of get the feeling like we get it. You can sing. And there's a difference between them and there's people that can like surprise you. Actually, at the at the mothership Christmas party, someone surprised me. I ain't gonna put their business in the street, but there was a little karaoke action, and this bitch could blow. I was like, "What the fuck?" I'm talking like shut the whole motherfucker down. We had they had to stop and take a break. They gave out the gifts because it was like nobody's following that. You know? Okay. Yeah. Oh, and, that's that's how you know. And it would be the last person you expect. You'd be like, wait a minute, hold up. What? What? Yeah. But some people, they're, you know, but 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 I think the, the difference is that she, she doesn't consider herself a singer. So she doesn't feel the need to, you know, there isn't this insecurity about it. Whereas, like, I think some people, it's like, they have some talent and they feel like there's not something else remarkable about them or they feel like whatever's remarkable about them is not something they can demonstrate. So they want to, they mm-hmm. need you to see something special in them. So they got to fucking, you know, be on. Anyway, that's why I like, I've literally, I've never had a good time hanging out with magicians, you know? And, and, and it really is a thing for me. I don't know if other comedians feel this way, because here's the other side of it too is there's something I think we're just diametrically opposed there's something about comedians that makes magicians insecure which is crazy because comedians are some of the most insecure people so yeah. it's 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 wild to get around people where you're like holy shit man it's like why do you need so much attention you're like a bitch with little titties you just keep you think we'll stop paying attention to you if you, if you don't you know, if you chill, but it's like they just they they feel especially if there's anyway. I I, I would love to be proven wrong. And listen, it's not like I've spent loads and loads of time around magicians, but the you know it happens every now and then. Just because of the the, the world I'm in, you know, sometimes I'll be around a singer, I'll be around a rapper, I'll be around you know, I'll be around a fighter, you know, and 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 for the most part, everyone's chill, everyone's humble. Everyone's regular, easygoing people. But you get around a magician, and you're like, here we fucking go. And, and the people that have never done it, whenever I tell them, they're like, oh, such and such, you know, that's David Copperfield. I'm like, here we go. This is going to be a it's gonna be a chore. They're like, what are you talking about? You'll see. <laughs> you know, and, it, it, and then it's like, you, you know, you keep, you open up the fridge, and David Blaine's in there. And you're like, what are you doing in the refrigerator? So I'm surviving. Splat out. 
you know, and I, I and I've never met David Blaine. I don't want to get sued for it, fucking. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Every time I'm around a magician, just to hang. Like you catch them in their element, they're excellent. You go to the Magic Castle or whatever the fuck, or you catch them at their show or walking around cocktail tables, and they're cool. But just to chill, we all just having beers, watching the game, talking shit. They can't handle it. Cause, cause you know, and 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 maybe that's. Again, let me rephrase this. I I never started being a I've, I've never hung out with a magician bef- until I started doing comedy. So I, I don't know if there's shit to hang out with or if it's just when they get around comedians. You know what I'm saying? But there's yeah. something. About, but a, but what I'm saying is like a comedian's charm is in is an it comes off as it can be inserted naturally in the conversation, and a magician's can't. So that's what I mean. It's like there's something about being around comedians where it's like charm, 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 and then you don't have that. So you got to be like, what's up, my sleep? You know? And it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And, or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I, I would love, if, if there's any comics that listen to this podcast, I would love you to tell me, do you agree or disagree? But I, I, but I, the, the six or seven times it's been, I've been doing comedy now, what, 13, 14 years? The six or seven times I I've been around a magician in a social setting, they've they've always been terrible, like borderline unbearable. See, and, and, I I think I think part of that might be just the that might be them around comedians around other performers because I've hung out with magicians in like just, just you know social situations like you know, watching a football game or, you know, a Super Bowl party or something like that, right? Where they're not performing. And there have been some really interesting conversations because it's like such a unique art form. So just like talking to them about magic and about performance as a non-magician is really interesting. But if they start pulling out cards and like cups Uh, and balls and shit, that's that's tiresome. That's I don't need that. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. And they always do. I've never been around a magician that didn't try to do a trick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And listen, I think somewhere around the time that like the K-Fab got broken for wrestling or whatever, isn't that what they call mm-hmm. it? K-Fab is K-Fab was K-fabe, the yeah. idea K-Fab was I forget what the yeah, acronym means, right. but, but I forget what it stands for, but it basically was when it was when People still, when they, when a lot of people still thought wrestling was that they were really fighting, professional wrestling, and mm-hmm. the kayfabe was like the code of silence around it. Like you didn't talk to outsiders about what really happened in the business. And once it got to the point where, I mean, I think Vince McMahon basically admit, had to admit it, so to save money, like so he didn't have to want to pay a fee or or get licensed by the state or something, so he had to admit it in court. And then, and once that happened, and you know, once the jig was up, you know, actually wrestling got bigger than ever after that. But, yeah. but the same thing sort of happened to magicians. I think Penn and Teller. I don't know if they if they were the ones that started it, but there was. What I'm saying is, there was a time like when I grew up in the 70s and 80s. This was back when people still thought every Chinese person knew kung fu. And that you could actually mm-hmm. like win a fight with it, you know what I mean? They're like Pre UFC one, yeah. That like a nine, like an eighty-five-year-old kung fu master could like 
could beat up 20 people with a pencil. You know, people thought this, that you that you could fucking throw a f- chi with an invisible fireball. People believed this. And that was also back when a large portion of the people believed that, um, that you know, it, it's not that people believed it, but it was like, but they kind of did. That like, there was some magic that was actual magic. And yeah, I think no a lot of that stuff, it. like people believed in like, Psychics and shit Myst- like that, like Yuri yeah, Geller, like mystical, you magical know, before, shit, right? Yeah, before Yuri James Geller. Randi and- just like busted all that shit. Yeah, but you know what's funny is uh, when James Randi embarrassed Yuri Geller on TV. Uh, remember he went on. Jo- remember he went on jo- Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. and he yeah. co- he he couldn't do the thing under under scrutiny, and yeah. it made him even more popular. Like, because I think most people, like, presenting people with the facts doesn't change their mind. People have a tendency to double down on their belief even after it's been disproven. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think Yuri Geller presented people with something that they really wanted to believe. Um, and. It's like it's like the doomsday cults, you know, where they're like doomsday's coming and like they people sell all their shit and then the meteor is supposed to come and it doesn't. And then you would think that like well obviously everybody's going to like stop believing in that religion when that happens. And what happens over and over and over again is people end up just believing it more because they're yeah, throwing I mean, good money after bad, you know. It would yeah, be imagine, so embarrassing to admit that you were wrong. I speak to God directly and the world is ending tomorrow. <laughs> And then the day, and then the next day, you're like, "I made a miscalculation." Wait a minute, didn't God talk to you directly? <laughs> but see, that's the interesting shit. Like when you when you hang out with a magician, just just hanging out or whatever, they're not performing. Magicians do have like a very interesting perspective on um, theatricality and presentation and sort of a like lay psychology, right? Oh yeah, well, which I think oh, yeah, is well, really well, cool. Well, my point about them is just that I think that 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 now people are not as amazed by magic because you remember because like you remember my old theory about how the level of amazed that people are has to do with the in their head the distance between what they're capable of now and their ability to do what you do what they just saw you do. Right. Yeah. 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 You talked about that. And and so now that most of that overwhelming majority of people don't actually believe that magicians are doing magic, they know there's a trick to it, even if they don't know what the trick is. So. um, So so they're more. It's like what they're impressed with is your ability to bullshit them. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? So they go, oh, so when you t- so, so my point is, I think I think people are not instantly impressed when you tell them that you're a magician. You know, yeah. it, it's more, it's more, it's some people are fascinating, some people are interested, but they're not like, whoa, really? It's not like it used, to, not when I was coming up. When it, when when I, when I was coming up, like David Copperfield, I don't know if David Copperfield liked black pussy, but David Copperfield could have fucked every bitch in the hood. If he, 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 it's, you know, it's too late now, but, 
But like, cause you know, I mean, it's it's a well known thing on the internet. Black people's relationship with magic is crazy. So, so back when yeah. back in the eighties, in the nineties, motherfucker, when people thought magic was like you could, David Copperfield could have been swimming in pussy in the hood. Anyway, but now people don't have that like, reaction. Yeah. Oh, um, what was he with who? I thought he was gay. He was when he when he, when he fucking got no, tiger. No, 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 he slayed. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, that was that was Sigmund and Freud, right? Or uh, not Sigmund and Freud? <laughs> Who was it? Uh, the two guys uh, with the tiger. Roy, Sieg, Roy. Sieg, Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy. Okay, which is different from Sigmund and Freud. Sigmund Freud is the guy who wanted to bang his mom. Or he, no, or he <laughs> thought people wanted to bang their moms. Sigmund Freud Sigmund was a, Freud. Was a, yes. He was yes. like the father yeah, of he's like. Psycho, psych- Psychoanalysis, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we got them all mixed up. Uh, but the point is, my point is, now when you say, I'm a magician, nobody, it it does it just doesn't elicit the same reaction. Like, people aren't amazed until they see you do something. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be, if you just said I was a magician, you know, people people were amazed right then. And then if you did a trick, their mind was blown. Now, if you say, I'm a magician, you know, people are like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But they're not amazed until you do a trick. But but if, they, if they're if they not in the mood to see a trick, it's just exhausting. Because it's, almost, it's almost like you making somebody look at your cell phone. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, bro, just send me the video. Don't make me crowd around your fucking phone. <laughs> just send it to me. Share. You know? And so... It's it's I mean, it, I, it's that kind of I feel for them I do but I don't want to hang out with you magicians. I think I think David Copperfield like really changed the game in the '80s because prior to him, it was like when you thought of a magician, you thought of like the guy in the top hat and tails with like a rabbit in a hat and like scarves and rings, metal rings and shit like that. And then David Copperfield was like on television making the Statue of Liberty disappear. You know, like that was like a whole, that, that was a kind of yeah. a, a, a cultural touchstone for a lot of people, right? And, like every, and everyone remembers what they were when that happened. Yeah. And then, and then in the 90s, I think it was more of like the David Blaine uh, close up, ma- you know, street magic, not close up, street magic, right? Where it was like sort of the, the, the run and gun style footage of him running up to people on the sidewalk and doing doing street magic right and it was like the focus was on the reaction of the people in the moment and then now i don't really know what i don't i don't really think magic is as cool now as it was back yeah, then we haven't I mean, really I mean, had think, like i mean think about it do you do, have you ever seen chris angel do anything that makes you want to hang out with him no absolutely not that's what i'm saying it's not it's not a magnetic it's it's one of those things like I want to see it from afar. You know, but I, I don't say this I don't want to Well, I recently went to the Magic Castle. I've been to the Magic Castle a few times, which for people who aren't like from the LA area, Magic Castle is like this private magicians club that you can go to, you dress up and you go to here in LA and they have a restaurant, they have a bunch of shows and stuff like that. It's 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 a really cool place. And they have a bunch of people who you can just wander into different rooms and there's people doing close-up magic. And that I do find really interesting because even if you know how it's done, it's like watching somebody who's like a virtuoso on the piano. 
Right. No, no. Because you, you're like, you're right about that. Because you're like, you're 20... like, I know what you're doing. Like, like you're not. I know that's not magic. I know what you're doing, but I can't imagine how long it took you to learn to develop the skills to do that. Because I did not see where that card came from. Yeah, the close-up you know? magic is is on another level. I, I I also went I went to the Magic Castle and I and I saw the close-up magic. And the, and the thing is, I saw the levels of magic too. Mm-hmm. So like in in the basement, there's these little rooms where maybe like five people can sit. And and I and I imagine that's kind of like their open mic with like that's where the amateurs be. You know what I mean? So it's like you, maybe five people can be in these rooms and you can do your little tricks down there. And so and so I I started out down there waiting for the the show in the main theater to start which was also a close up show but but this guy was like a traveling guy and this was like he was booked in this room and his shit was on a whole other level yeah. and it was amazing it was an entertaining ass show um uh but uh was the guy with the fried is, shrimp no, no. This guy had he he had uh he had big ass coins. He kept the coins okay. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and he kept doing the same shit. You know, and like you said, it's right in front of me. How could he, you know, he doesn't have any sleeves. Where the fuck is he putting that coin? Yeah, it, it it's it's entertaining. But again, I didn't go I want to hang out with this guy afterwards. Cuz the only question I ever want to ask a magician is how did you do that? And and if and most of the time mm-hmm. they're not gonna tell you, and that and that's all the info I need from you. I don't want to know where you're from. I don't know what your favorite color is. I don't want to have a beer with you. <laughs> you know, and that's the other thing too. Is they they don't seem like particularly happy people. Uh, yeah, th- I think it like depends. He, yeah, he, th- this guy seemed almost bored with it, um, like almost depressed. Like, uh, let me just get this shit out the way. You know, <laughs> so. I, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm making a lot of a lot of assumptions about about your uh, your ilk, magicians. You know. Um, yeah. The, I mean, I think I like, a lot like of them that. Yeah, I think a lot of that though is like a an act in the same way. Like you know, some comedians get on stage and they seem like they seem really happy and they're the most depressed fucking person you ever met. Or they have like a very flat affect, and you hang out with them off stage, and they're like, "Oh yeah, look, there's a lot of comedians that I that I don't want to be around. They're just difficult yeah. to be around. Oh yeah, and, and and it's sad too because the ones that are difficult to be around, they don't get, they don't see it. You know what I mean? Mm. They they think mm-hmm. they think. Yeah, it's like they and what's 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 weird is that. They see everything but that, if that makes any sense. the The worst ones are the, yeah. the worst ones are the the sad ones. The one, people that are perpetually sad, I just can't fuck with you. I I I I, I mean, I wish y'all had like a little sad city. Y'all could all go. Oh yeah, Seattle. I wish y'all could all just move. I call it sad sad Francisco. I wish I wish y'all could all just move to a city and be sad together. Like and 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 I don't mean people that feel sadness or people that battle depression. I'm talking about people that like you know, they make a concerted effort to stay sad. You know, man, I feel I feel like I've spent the majority of this episode trashing magicians. I respect your craft. <laughs> I do, I do. I respect your craft, but but you know, 
I've you know, you know like I said I've been around sad comedians I've been around comedians that I don't want to be around particularly there's you know some people just have off-putting personalities but I think something that's weird is like the six or seven times maybe it's been that I've been around a magician in a social setting it's always been like I'd rather not like I like I'm I'm good on this what kind of performer do you think generally is the most fun or chill to hang out with in a social setting, not necessarily like on set or whatever. Um, I'm gonna say probably, um, Hmm. Fuck, that's tough to say. Probably, I don't know. Probably singers, non-diva singers. Mm. Yeah, I bet you Rihanna's real chill. I've heard a lot of good things. She also smells incredible, apparently. Um, it's the natural, uh, the natural beauty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, she's I, the one that doesn't wear makeup, right? Rihanna. Oh no, that's Alicia Keys. Sure she wears, Alicia Keys. I'm pretty sure she wears makeup. She sells makeup. Um, um, I was confusing her with Alicia Keys. Yeah, but I don't know, man. No, I mean rap. I've, I've been around some cool ass rappers, but not really. Because see, the problem with rappers is they got They depending on what they rap about, they got to live up to. A lot of them got to live up to this like fake gangster shit, and I just, I just don't want to be around that energy. Um, I think heavy metal musicians are the best because actually, you know what? They, they all just play video that. games and read comic books. And so yeah, I they're all nerds. Yeah, I think I've had so I've so I've, I've I've gotten to hang out with singers, rappers, and heavy metal people, and the heavy metal people have definitely been um, like the, the, the when I got to hang out with Lamb of God, I was like, oh, these are just cool ass motherfuckers, you know? Yeah, they just chill, nothing crazy, you know. Nah, the drummers are wild though. But they, but they fun. <laughs> I th- I feel like I've never met a drummer that wasn't, you know, like a party animal. You know what I mean? But they, but they all cool people, respectful, fucking just chill, regular people. Because um, it, it, it maybe, and maybe that has something to do with the fact that like metal is not mainstream. You know yeah. that they aren't that they, they that they're they're gods in this little world. But. But they can still walk down the street and people aren't like, you know, they can go to the mall or go to a restaurant without people, you know, without it like causing right. a disturbance, you know. So maybe there's something about the It's like it's like they live this life of like humility and stardom mixed together. Because cause I, I think when you get to that level, when you get to like the Taylor Swift level where you're just a star all the time, where you there is no there is no solace. There is no place where you not where you're not this larger version. Like, you always have to be this that large per- version of yourself. That that feels like, eh. Yeah. It it, it, feel, it, feel, it feels like you, th- there's a piece of you that you lose. You have to almost lose. Your feet are not on the ground. The best you can do is hover right above the ground, but your feet can never touch the earth. You know, unless you out there... Unless you're doing something dangerous, like you where you're doing something that humbles you, you know, like you fucking 
bull riding or something crazy, <laughs> you know, something that's like put you in, that like reminds you that you ain't shit. You know? I think so speaking like, of that, I think like the widest range that I've encountered is like fighters. People who are like combat athletes. Cause that runs the entire gamut from like the most humble, chill people you've ever met to like the biggest fucking divas. Yeah, but you, but you know what though? I, I see I find now I I have been around a few fighters. Um And you know what's funny is is like they're real humble and chill. Look, I've been around a few fighters but not around other fighters. If that make any sense. Right, right. right. Cuz cuz I, I, I think they're real chill when they don't see you as competition. Like the pe- yeah, it's like certain dogs. Com- like some dogs are real chill around human beings, and you introduce another dog into the mix, and they lose their fucking minds. Exactly. Like my my cat is this way. She's she's fine with like most animals, but another cat fucked up. And like I think that, that so that, that's <laughs> that's how fighters are, and and it's not it's, and it can't just be some other fighter. It's got to be someone on their level. You know, so right, like right, anybody, right, right. so like like I said, I've been around I've been around plenty of fighters at this point, and they're always chill. But I've never seen them in a room with another fighter, or where or where. Oh, let me let me put it another way. I've never seen them in a room where it wasn't obvious that they was the big dog. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like like I obviously because a lot of times they have camps with them or whatever, and so they'll it'll be five or six other fighters with them, but they're clearly. The man, the, al- so I, the alpha, I'm, I'm, yeah. right? And then, and then, you know, and they're in a room full of comedians, so they know, like, they, and no, no, none of us are a threat to them. So they're not even in that mind state of competition. But I think as soon as there's like, you know, because 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 that's a whole different environment than being like, because I've also been backstage at the UFC, where it's like, it's a whole different level of tension back there, bro, and. You know, and, and and depending on the venue, it ain't a lot of space for you, you understand what I'm saying? And so it's like you seeing people walk past each other and hell yeah. Like like bro, when you see like when you see like I've I've been I've been this close like I've been like five feet away from Francis Ngannou. Like and, and and like when you see that dude, when you see him and he and it's just regular Shit going everyday shit going on. He's very soft spoken and uh, very respectful and like that. But but when you but when he walked through the fucking back of the like when I'm in a, when I did a I did I did international fight week in in, in Vegas with Rogan. We did uh, the MGM right. We but the but I, I believe. Uh, the night before was the weigh-ins, and the next night was the UFC thing. So, so, so we we are there to do comedy, but we also there for that. And we get there, and bro, uh, Francis Ngannou walks through the tunnel, and and I'm in the back because I'm lost. I I I got disconnected from everybody because I was eating. So I forget the fuck happened. But I'm, so I'm I'm standing in the wrong place, and Francis Ngannou is coming this way, and it's like, bro, and he 
I, I can't even explain it, bro. But he he walked through this hallway, and his body language just said, "I will fucking kill you. I'll fucking kill everybody here." Like his presence was just like, like I can't even explain it. It was a whole different thing, and he wasn't even fighting on that card. He was just there. But but like I said, he's around. He's this wild animal that's around all these other people that think they can fucking kill, beat him. You know what I mean? And it, it, he wasn't like getting ready for a fight. He was just there because it was International Fight Week. But he's around all these other fighters, and he's just giving off this vibe like I, I'm I'm ready to kill anybody that get in my way. And you and bro and you could see it like the path just opens up, bro. People just move out of the fucking way because even though you know he's it's not like he's ever snapped and viciously attacked nobody. But but you still feel like you st- like you ever see those pictures of of uh, or those videos of these people that like they they fly to du- Dubai or something and they fucking drug up a lion so you can walk with it like a pet yeah and it's like but most people are like that's still I don't give a fuck what that thing is on like I'm not getting in the way I'm not getting close to it I'm not trying to startle that motherfucker it, it's that it's like you it's something in the back of your brain it clicks on where it's like. It's like this. I'm not in danger, but I'm not safe right here. It, it, it's that. It's that it's kind like, of thing. Like it's th- like it's like it's like when you watch those videos when somebody like nurses a, a wolf back to health, you know? Right. And it's like it's like they've been feeding it and they've been like taking care of it and everything, and it's chill with them. But then like I remember watching one of those videos and the wolf like jumps up on the on the table, and they're like, okay. It, we're done with this because like that right there was it reminding them like no i'm in fucking charge like i'm good now but i can yeah. i can change whenever i want to yeah i don't get that see for me man it's like okay now 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 um but yes i i think you're right fighters first of all fighters are probably most chill i think every i think honestly man i can deal with anybody but magicians I, so far <laughs> i haven't mimes, managed, I, yeah, mimes. i'm sh- well no, moms are chill because they shut the fuck up. Oh, fair enough. I, I, so far, I haven't met a, I haven't met another group of individuals that I have the same visceral disdain for. But to the improv. next subject, yeah, wolves. Eh, no, improv people are they're pretty chill too. Mm. A little more insecure, I think, um, because I think okay. that's a way more cutthroat. That's a way more cutthroat thing to get into. You know. Because you were saying wolves. Oh yeah, you know. So for me, it's like as soon as you get to a point where you did, where you got a pet that you can't physically handle. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You know. I I think I think you're going too far. There's no reason for you to have a pet bear, or a pet lion, or I no way I would have a cat that that could kill me. Their behavior is too random. Yeah, they have so such wild, wildly varying personalities. It's crazy for you to think you can have, like you saw the Tiger King. You talking about you talking yeah. about animals that I mean, he's that he's nursed from birth, and every every once in a while they just fucking grab his leg and drag him through the fucking. You were talking about Siegfried and Roy earlier. I mean, didn't one of them get his face fucking ripped off by one of the tigers or whatever the fuck? Yeah, didn't that happen to one of them? Yeah, I think he was. He was. And that, he was and like, very. Fu- 
Yeah, and then and then the tiger was sitting there like like yeah, he didn't even realize what he'd done. He was like licking him to health. <laughs> I didn't know that part. That's amazing. Yeah, he was like he was Tigers like trying to like around, dude. But I think he I think he was he had been particularly rough to this tiger. Like in that moment, oh, okay. I think he was the the tiger was scared or something. Let's look. Let's, let's look that up. What happened with C? With, with what was the end result of that? I, but they obviously ended up killing the tiger. During a show at the Mirage on Horn's birthday on October, I don't know who Horn is, a seven-year-old white tiger named Manticore attacked. Uh, that's Oh, yeah, Roy Horn. Okay. What Roy did was instead of walking Manticore in a circle as is usually done, he used his arm to steer him right back into his body in a pirouette motion. Manticore's face was right in Horn's midsection. By Roy not following the correct procedure, it fed into confusion and rebellion. Uh, Horn improvised and asked Manticore if he'd like to say hello to the audience, but Manticore bit at Horn's arm and grabbed his sleeve in his mouth. Horn repeatedly said no and tapped the animal on the nose with the microphone until he let go. Manticore then swiped at Horn's feet, knocking him to the floor. He then leaped at him, bit into his neck, and carried him off backstage. It took four men and a fire extinguisher to get the tiger off of him. The stage was soaked in Horn's blood, as Manticore had sliced through a vertebrae and severed an artery which cut off the blood to the right side of his brain. This resulted in Horn having a stroke after the attack. Horn is alleged to have said in the ambulance, Manticore is a great cat. Make sure no harm comes to Manticore. As soon as Horn was taken away from Manticore, Lawrence recalled that the tiger calmly, that the tiger calmed down and returned to his kennel for a routine dinner. Well, there you go. And what happened to Manticore after that? I don't think anything uh, bad happened to him. Let me see. They they shut down the show after that. I don't think anything happened to the. I think they just retired the all all of the animals from that show afterwards. Said so after the incident, the Mirage closed the show, which had been performed for over thirteen years. Horn survived despite suffering a severed spine, massive blood loss, and other injuries, which permanently impaired his motor and verbal abilities. They retired in 2010. Manticore the White Tiger died at the age of 17 after a brief illness on March 19th, 2014. So he lived to, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if 17's old for a tiger, but they didn't. So Horn, 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 they, so they kept, down they kept doing the show? They kept doing the show? They, they shut down the show after the incident, and then they did future shows uh, from... 2004 to 2010 and then they retired so they did some form so Horn, of a show so Horn, kept perf- Horn kept performing it seems like it yeah so he blamed himself yes yeah because he, he he broke protocol he, he yeah, deviated saying- from the training that they had instilled in the Tiger so it's not the Tiger's fault and so the Tiger got confused yeah, the tiger got, got confused and scared and attacked him. And they're wild animals, man. I mean, you can train them. They're smart. But they're, at the end of the day, they're still wild animals. That's, That's the thing. thing. Really People smart. think when you they train know. something, they're pretty smart. Big cat, they're fairly smart, right? No. See, I think cats, no, no. Because sometimes, see, I think... Because this is just me personally from observing my cat. Mm-hmm. I think 
Because I'm always going back and forth. Because sometimes she does things and I, and I go, wow, she, that was pretty clever. And then sometimes she does things and I'm like, how fucking stupid can you be? And then I realized, I was like, they're not that smart. They're just, they're persistent. And, and, and persistence can get the same result as intelligence. Right. And so sometimes from a, from a, if you don't know a cat very well, you think they smart because you're like, wow, they figured that out. Which, which you, which you didn't see was the, the, the 10,000 other things they tried before that worked. Now they figured out. But, but so I think, I think what happens is I think, I think cats believe they have some sort of control over the world that like they, my cat does what I, th- what I think she thinks is like magic spells. She's like, if I run over here, if I run over here and scratch this and run up in here and meow, then, then, then I wake up all the humans, or then food comes, or then, or the, or the door opens, and, and so, she, so my point is, I think training a cat is just you teaching the cat what the cat thinks is a spell, for, for better, for lack of a better term. But the cat thinks that it's a it's a ritual that gets a specific result. And when it, right. and when my cat when my cat does the ritual and it doesn't get the result, she's not happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like I imagine like you training a big ass tiger, and it's like, and normally like we turn to the left, but you turn to the right, and the cat's like, "You just fucked up dinner, bitch." You know. So that, that that's what it is. Yeah, because there ain't no motherfucking way in the world I'd have got back in there with that cat. You know, ain't, ain't no motherfucking way. Um, I uh, have, have you ever have you ever seen that study with the superstitious pigeons? Uh uh-uh. uh Where they instill superstition? What they did was they took like these pigeons, and pigeons are like actually pretty smart. A lot of birds are like legitimately smart, right? And um, they would feed them these food pellets. And it was on a random timer. So it was just, it was completely random when the food pellets would drop. But the pigeons became convinced that it was like, oh, we spin around, you know, because one time they like spun around three times and some pellets came out. So the pigeons looked insane because they would do do all these, what they called like superstitions, all these little rituals thinking that it affected the... Um, the 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 rate at which the food pellets came out. So by the end of the experiment, these pigeons were like jumping up and down a bunch of times, spinning around, you know, moving over to this corner of the thing, and they had these extremely elaborate rituals that were just actually superstitions about affecting the you know weren't affecting the world around them in any way. Yeah, man, I think that's what that's what stupid humans do. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And it's now I will I don't want to go further down this line without insulting people's religions. <laughs> but that's what religions are. It's people thinking they have some kind of effect on on the world that it's just random nonsense. Um last article. This isn't in the the thing. I'm seeing this on Sky News, Rob. This just popped up. Lord of the Rings sequel must be destroyed. After Tolkien Estate wins copyright case against writer. So I don't even understand what this is about. 
The writer of an unauthorized Lord of the Rings sequel has been ordered to destroy all physical and electronic copies and pay more than $130,000 in legal fees. Somebody wrote a sequel to that shit? Apparently. U.S. author US Demetrius author- Polychron. Sue for copyright infringement by the estate of author J.R.R. Tolkien. After he first tried to sue them. Okay, so... Okay, so what I from what I gather, so there's a there's a prequel to the Lord of the Rings <laughs> on Amazon right now. Some people are mad about it. The real fanboys, I I thought it was pretty decent. It was called what is it called? The uh, the Rings of Power. The Rings of Power. This guy who wrote a sequel to the Lord of the Rings s- tried to sue them because he said that the show was based on. His book that was based on the original books. He wrote an unauthorized sequel to Lord of the Rings right. that predates he, Rings of Power, the Amazon series. Which and is he's a saying that, which is a prequel, and he's right. saying that the prequel rips off his unauthorized sequel. Exactly. But then he lost that case, and now he has to pay them. He has to pay the estate of Tolkien. What an idiot. Wow. He says it's the Pitch Perfect sequel. Well, now I want to read it. Okay, so this is The Fellowship of the King is is his unauthorized sequel. A well-written, expanded, and appropriately epic return to Middle-earth. All right, I'm just going to read the first paragraph of this description because it's fucking long. Opening blah, 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 blah. Picks up in the Shire's bag end two decades following the events of that saga in this 22nd year of the reign of High King Elisar. Eleanor Gamgee Gardner, daughter of Samwise, is about to celebrate her debutante party when blue wizards from the east arrive with terrible news. The original Rings of Power, the last of those powerful relics created by Celebrimbor and corrupted by Sauron, have been discovered. Dark forces seeking the return of Morgoth, Sauron's former master... Hope to recover the rings of power that will enable the that will enable Morgoth to bring. Oh, who fucking cares? It's just it, this is just this is just fan fiction. It's all the same characters that Tolkien already created, right? And it's no naked. It's no nakedness. I mean, what? Yeah. Nobody wants to read your fan fiction when nobody's fucking. <laughs> There's a reason why people like Game of Thrones. Sacklers don't have the money. Okay. Dear Brian and Rob, thanks for the great show. If anyone can make reading the news relevant again, it might be you guys. There are allegedly $40 trillion in claims by all the plaintiffs in the Sackler's bankruptcy filing. From addicted patients, their families, local agencies, emergency responders, insurance companies, etc. Therefore, the bankruptcy must be settled for what the Sacklers can pay, minus the $11 billion they already shielded from the payouts in offshore accounts. When it comes to the Sackler's bankruptcy defense, the argument is without this settlement, there is no money for victims. Although $3,000 to $40,000 per plaintiff seems insulting if you were jobless for five years because of addiction or your kids were left without a mother or father or a life insurance policy. Bullshit. Tell that to the Haitians and their ancestors who freed themselves from bondage and been paying back the French ancestors of those slave owners, the merchants and banks, and all the other modern-day global shareholders, including the U.S., for the past 220 years. We started down this road 
at the end of the last episode. Wow, serendipity is what they call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, bro, how dirty do you... Okay, let me finish this. The cyclists don't have $40 trillion, question mark. According to Calculator Soup, if you put $10 million in an account with a 5% annual interest rate compounded monthly in 167 years, you will have $41.5 trillion. The cyclists would still have a billion dollars left over today and be held less accountable than Haitians whose only crime was fighting for their freedom. Bury that family, the complicit corporations, and any rich person who made a dime off this drug market for the next 200 years. Like they say, we have to make an example of these thugs. I'm at the point in my political life where anyone worth over $10 million is a Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) You put $10 million in a standard savings account with 0.6% interest rate, you can live off 60 k before taxes which is more than the medium income for people working 35 hours a week. $10 million doesn't even put you in the top 1% these days. Can't pay the settlement. Ha, that's rich. Sam, woo, Sam, smoking bars. Uh, Hey, listen. Yeah, Sam, we're, we're, we're on the same page. Ah, uh, 10, 10, ah. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I agree on that number, but, but I agree with the sentiment. I mean, Excess people that have way more than they'll ever need, um, especially people that don't actually bother to give back to you know, because that's where that's where it's because I don't know if we were talking about this last week, but there is a there's a there's a guilt that comes along with becoming if if you were born if you came from poverty, there's a guilt that comes at least for me. There's a guilt that comes along with success or and I'm not even like this was so crazy it's like I'm not rich I'm not even a millionaire but I see it in my future and I and I don't know like I don't know how I feel about it but here's what's crazy I'm not doing nothing to stop it you know it's not like it's not like oh a million dollars I mustn't you know I'm like I want it you know but I don't know how I'm gonna feel I, I, I there's something you lose with getting that that much money Right, because you because you have to start. I think you end up in a place where you have to start justifying it, so you don't feel that guilt. You know that, that's why you start like hating homeless people and and looking at poverty as a moral failure and and you know having to say that you know oh it's just hard work and all merit and no luck and like you have to start thinking like that because the alternative is just to feel like shit all the time. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm so afraid of becoming that person. But, but yeah, the way they did Haiti was so dirty because if y'all go way back into the audio only episodes, there's one I do on uh, on uh, Toussaint, right? Le Vale Toussaint, I think that's how, how you say his name. And he. Basically, he led the only successful slave rebellion. So, so Haiti and the Dominican Republic are one island, right? And Haiti, uh, one half of the one half of Haiti was a French slave colony, and the other half was owned by the Spanish. And but the, but. But the Spanish were like every, all of them. All of them did slavery back then. But Haiti did slavery on like the French did slavery on a level that was just way beyond everyone. There were more slaves 
in Haiti than there were in the there were more slaves in Haiti in in than there were in the United States. If you can dig it. And it's a much, much smaller piece of land. And what's crazy is, I, th- I think at one point, it was like 70% of their population was slaves. And, may- you know, and maybe 10% more than that. were like, what, what was it? Well, this is saying in Saint-Domingue, uh, which had 500,000 slaves, 32,000 whites, and 28,000 free blacks. Well, I guess that's one colony in Haiti, but still, like, yeah, I mean, but, it's, but the, it's, the point it's is crazy. It's crazy how yeah. much the slaves out, outnumbered everybody else. Well, yeah, and once and they figured that out one day and was like, "We're taking this bitch over," and that <laughs> all happened. That, that, that all just happened in the midst of the French Revolution. So the French were also fighting for their freedom. Oh, Saint Domingue is 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 uh, is um, is, is Haiti. Haiti. Is what it, it was called it, back yeah, then. yeah. Uh, so. So, so the so anyway, the, when the French Revolution was all settled down, the French. So so okay. So let me let me let me let me back it up. So Haiti had fought for its independence, right? But the problem is, none no other country would recognize Haiti as a country, so they couldn't trade and all this other shit. So the French show up like, oh yeah, yeah, that slave shit, yeah, we need our shit back. So you could like you could either you could either go to war with us right now, or we'll recognize y'all as a country, but y'all gotta sign this this document saying that y'all are gonna compensate us for all the slaves we lost. Right? Now that sounds ridiculous. If that sounds ridiculous to you as an American, just know the same thing happened here in America. When the, when the Civil War was over, a lot a lot of a lot of slave owners received reparations. So that, that's why the argument against reparations is also ridiculous. It's because the slave owners actually received reparations immediately for the slaves they lost, <laughs> and the actual former slaves received nothing, even though they were promised forty acres and a mule. So that's neither here nor there. The point is. In Haiti, the French, who they, who the Haitians had just won their freedom from, demanded to be compensated for the slaves that they didn't have no more. Right, and so it turned, and I think the debt was like a hundred and fifty million francs or something like that. Well, the problem is, no other countries would recognize Haiti as a country, so they still couldn't, even though they had all this fertile land. I think at one point. Most of the sugar in Europe came from Haiti. But but Haiti could not pull in these profits because no other country would trade with them. So they ended up in this long-ass debt that like eventually got bought by Citibank. So, so, so they end up in this weird situation where they couldn't afford to invest in their country, in the infrastructure and shit like that, you know? And and because they were just in this constantly mounting debt, and under the constant threat of war, if they didn't pay that debt, <laughs> right? And then 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 the debt eventually got bought by I think Citibank. Um, 
I, I might be I might be foggy on the timeline here because eventually at some point um, the Central Bank of Haiti was actually run by the French and not by Haitians, and then that and then that debt I think got bought by Citibank, um, and then and then at some point. Fast forward to the future. Now, also, I forgot to mention this. Haiti had devastated uh, because they couldn't grow the crops anymore. They they started selling lumber, which causes huge deforestation problem in Haiti. A very small percentage of the land in Haiti is is forest canopy. So that that's that's and that leads to a whole trickle effect. Anyway, Haiti eventually caught on to what was happening. And they uh, they elected a guy that was like, fuck all that, and demanded reparations from the French. Right? And I forget what he I forget what his leverage was. God damn, I just watched this yesterday. I forget what his leverage was, but um, but then the French, the United States, and one other country basically funded this Canada, basically funded this coup that got that dude murdered. You know what I mean? And anyway, yeah, we, bro, anyway, you know what? We should, we could, we should do a deep dive one day into this, but, 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 but trust me when I tell you the whole Western world, the United States included and Canada, the so-called nice people have been complicit in fucking Haiti since its inception, since before it was Haiti, like the the world has participated in in basically what amounts to 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 a Haitian like a slow genocide. It's a complete because keep in mind Haiti's on the same fucking island as the Dominican Republic. Now, I, what I did leave out is, some people go, well, how come the Dominican Republic doesn't help? How come they don't unite? What do we do? Well, there was a brief period earlier, like way back earlier, where Haiti had actually invaded the Dominican Republic. And, uh, and much like, like the Chinese and the Japanese, it's like this old beef because they weren't nice when they did this. So this is old beef. So the Dominican Republic is like, man, fuck Haiti. Fuck your problems. No, you can't have none of, none of, none of our shit. Fuck you. So that's why they don't get any help from over there. Because they used to occupy uh, the Dominican Republic. So the DR is like, nah, 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 fuck out of here. So, um, you know, one day we, we should do a deep dive. Well, I should get like a fucking historian on here or something like that. We, we got the clout. Get a historian on here. Um, yeah, some, some of that nature. But yeah, I, I, I feel... I, you know, I always knew that Haiti got fucked, but I never knew the details until yesterday when I when I realized like, oh, like there's been this concerted effort f- by the world to ho- to keep Haiti from prospering. You know, one of the and, big and, one of the big issues between Haiti and Dominican Republic is that the French imported so many more slaves into Haiti that is a completely different population. So there's like ethnic and cultural differences between Haiti and Dominican Republic, even though they're on the same island. Right, right, right. And and and, and the thing is, it's like the the world already hates the French. The world hates black people and the French. <laughs> so like imagine French black people, how they getting treated. 
you know talk to algerians dude what what what's that, what's that, what about algeria Al- algerians just get like completely discriminated against in europe and they're kind of treated like second class citizens when they go to france cuz algeria was colonized by france ah i see we are better. It's so funny too because the, the French are like basically responsible for modern democracy. Would you say that? Yeah, or I mean the, the, the French or, Revolution. Or, or, yeah, the French Revolution is what sparked the not the idea, but like putting it into practice. Yeah, of what of what modern right, and so it's it's wild for them to write that document about. I think it was called like the Rights of Man. Mm-hmm. It's wild for them to, to write a document about the rights of man and freedom and people being created equal and all this, and 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 then to and then right after that to be like, hey, we're gonna need we're gonna need money back for them slaves that we lost. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean me? You know what I mean? I mean like a, like imagine somebody keeping yeah. you as a slave, and then imagine somebody keeping you as a slave, and then. You beat their ass and and run away, and then the government comes along and goes, "Well, yeah, it was wrong for them to have you as a slave, but you know, you got to compensate them. They lost property. <laughs> That's what the world's doing right now. Like we're we're do- we are. It's happening now. Still, actually, they finally paid off the debt. Uh, I want to say in 2019, right, or 2018. It was very recently. Yeah, yeah, they finally paid off the debt, but they paid off. No, let me let me rephrase that. I think it was called the French Indemnity or something like that. They finally paid off that debt, but but they had to take on more debt because they don't have any f- trees and they don't have any infrastructure. And then yeah. and then and then and then that earthquake hit that killed like. I don't know, a hundred thousand people or something crazy, right? Back in two thousand ten. Yeah. So the earthquake was in twenty ten. I don't know how many people was, died, but I thought it was more recent than that. You're talking about, but when did the debt? When did the debt get paid off? So the initial debt was apparently paid off uh, nineteen forty seven. That's the Citibank debt. It wasn't called Citibank back then. It was called like Bank of New York or something. But um, no, 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 no. So, so, what, but what you're talking about is. They, so they t- I'm talking about the so debt the, to the, France. In 1922, it says the rest of Haiti's debt to France was moved to be paid to American investors. It took until 1947, about 122 years, for Haiti to finally pay off all the associated interests to the National City Bank of New York, now Citibank. Are you talking about the, the, the International Monetary Fund debt that they like had to take out afterwards? Right, exactly. So that's still yeah. going on today. Yeah, that's still around, I believe. And now there, there's this proposal that all of these, all of the, the basically white countries that held them in debt for so long, because it, it became something to invest in. Like you could make money if you bought a little bit of Haitian debt, right? So mm-hmm. all these countries, if they if they all put in between six countries, I, I want to say it was a trillion, twelve trillion dollars or twelve billion dollars. 
I don't know. No, it's so it, difficult it when you like what, add all that stuff up because you're comparing like you know money from the past or, or whatever. I know. I know that. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, right now, there's a proposal now mm. for all these countries to chip in. What? What? I, I don't think it's twelve trillion because when I first when I saw the number, I was like, it's, that's not that much money for real. Right now, I want to say it might be twelve billion dollars, but whatever it is, or maybe it's twelve billion dollars a piece. But it would be almost nothing, like a drop in the bucket to the aid we send to Ukraine and Israel and all these other countries that we did that we didn't colonize or whatever. It's like it's so weird that they refuse. It's almost like Haiti, like everyone sees it like Haiti needs to be punished. Or there's some fear. I, I would love to know what the underlying fear of a prosperous Haiti is. This is saying, um, this is back in 2010, they had outstanding foreign debt of one and a quarter billion. And then about 300 million of that, so about a quarter of that was owed to Venezuela. And Venezuela um, forgave Haiti's debt back in 2010 says uh, World Bank waived Haiti's remaining debt to the bank, the value of the waiver, 36 million. So it's been chipped away from various entities that they owe money to. But Thomas Piketty, 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 I don't know how you pronounce his name, um, has written that, like, really France owes Haiti at this point, like, $28 billion. Like, if you... if right! you, if if you if you stack it up and you look at like the money that Haiti has owed or has has already given to to France it's plus like, all the like things France, that France has France done to Haiti, the, France pulled the Uno reverse. It's like yeah. imagine right now if because because the discussion of black people getting reparations in America is it always it's it's always you know it it always ends in this stalemate because of whatever arguments against it right bullshit but yeah. But imagine if someone and and this is we're not too far away from this fantasy land. I can, I can, I can understand like a DeSantos or somebody saying some stupid shit like this. But imagine if someone actually introduced legislation where it's like, no, actually, black people owe the United States from the slaves we lost. Oh, there've already there's already been people who've said stuff close to that. Like, who was it that recently said that? Black Americans benefited from slavery because the slave owners taught the slaves marketable skills. skills. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, here's the other thing, though. The slave owners here got compensated for losing their slaves. Yeah. By the government. Yeah. So, but that's also such an asinine. Oh, yeah. But just just to draw a line in the sand, like, the the calculations of if they had given the 40 40 acres and a mule... Just to the the former slaves that had been promised that not to all slaves, but just the former slaves who had been promised it, they had actually made good on that. That would have compounded to about six hundred forty billion dollars today for the descendants of those slaves. I know, man. Imagine the Jordans you could buy. All right, guys, that is going to be the end of our episode. Hey, don't forget, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email us at bsbrianswimson at gmail.com. Don't forget that I will be at the uh, goddamn House of Comedy in, in uh, British Columbia. Um, the House of Comedy in British Columbia f- for New Year's Eve. Um, uh, go ahead to my website and click on the link or go to my bio and click on the link. Um 
that's Canada, by the way. Um, and I will be at the, I want to say the, the mic drop in San Diego shortly after that. Um, no, that's going to be at the end of January. And I'll be at the DC Improv at the end of February, the beginning of March in Levity Lab in West Nyack in April. My special will be out somewhere in that time frame. All right, don't trip. And then, um, and yeah, and make sure you keep your beaver pussy tight. Beaver pussy.